Hi everyone, it's time for your not boring workout. You won't need any equipment or weights, just yourself and enough space to move around a bit. And you might need a towel or mat on the floor if that's your preference. More info to come, but for now, just start doing jumping jacks. And make them feel special by clapping your hands together at the top of each rep. Now for our nobos, that's what we're trying to call our regulars. We're trying it out, let us know what you think. For our nobos, you may hear that my voice sounds even more annoying than usual. And that's because I'm a little under the weather, as they say. Now, it's a strange time to be under the weather because you have to make sure you don't have COVID. So even though I only have a normal cold and sore throat and all that fun stuff, uh, I had to go get a COVID test to make sure I wasn't going to infect my roommates and everyone around me. And it turns out I am going to infect my roommates and everyone around me, but just with normal cold stuff. I don't have coronavirus. This was a non-update to let you know that I don't have coronavirus and also that my voice sounds weird this week. Is everyone having fun? Are you having fun yet? Anyway, uh, if you do have fun, please tip us on Venmo at Not Boring Workouts. For just $5, I will dedicate an exercise to the recipient of your choice. It would sound kind of like this. Okay, it's time for push-ups, which in today's workout are dedicated to Cindy P from Susan T for all those good times in quarantine. Pretty cool, right? Let's try this out and see if anyone does it. Also, David wrote today's workout, and I had no idea that was coming. But I guess I think it's a good idea. Anyway, if this is your first not boring workout, that is fucking awesome. You should feel so proud that instead of cracking open a white claw and listening to fucking Joe Rogan, you're giving yourself the gift of exercise and the pleasure of my never melodious voice. Now let me be clear, the only thing you have to do in the next 15-ish minutes is listen to the sound of my voice. That alone will be a challenge, but in addition to that, you must also do whatever exercise I say. Otherwise, just follow along. And every time we change exercises, you will hear this ding. Because part of today's story is about an insane trip around the world, we're doing a circuit workout. See what we did there? At least, I think that's what it's called. But once again, neither David nor myself have any actual fitness training experience. You're welcome and welcome. Anyhow, what will happen is you'll do one set of lower body, one set of upper body, one set of core, one set of cardio. Twice. Don't worry, I will be with you the entire time. Start off with squats. Nobody likes them, but we've been told they're important. You should be standing with your feet slightly wider than hips width apart. Keep your chest up and forward and begin bending your legs like you're sitting in a chair. But... Spoiler, there is no chair. Once you get to about 90 degrees, press back up into standing. That's it. Down, up, keep going. Like the title says, this workout will fly by thanks to Nellie Bly. 
this story is another from our series of Wait, why haven't I heard of this woman before? workouts. Joining the likes of Bertha Benz and Brownie Wise, who you can check out in episodes 20 and 14, respectively. Nellie Bly was born Elizabeth Jane Cochran on May 5, 1864, just outside of Pittsburgh, in Cochran's Mills, a town named after her father, Michael Cochran. Hmm. Keep squatting. Michael was a busy guy. Sounds like it. He's got a town named after him. He started off as a mill worker, and within a few years, he purchased the mill and much of the surrounding land. He had 10 children with his first wife, Catherine Murphy, who passed away, and then he had five more kids, including Nellie with his second wife, Mary Jane Kennedy. That's 15 kids, which is an absurd number of kids. How do you remember all of their names? To top it off, Michael died suddenly when Nellie was only seven, leaving Mary Jane to provide for a fuck ton of children. Drop down for some push-ups. You can do these from a plank position or on your knees if you need to, uh, but keep doing push-ups until you hear the next ding. At the age of 15, Nellie enrolled at what now is confusingly called Indiana University of Pennsylvania with the hopes of becoming a teacher, but she ran out of money after just over a year and returned to Pittsburgh where she helped Mary Jane run a boarding house. Was it a boarding house for all of their children? It's 1882, and Nellie, now 18 and working her ass off to help support her family, which is too big, uh, she's flipping through a local paper, the Pittsburgh Dispatch, when she stumbles upon an article by Erasmus Wilson entitled, What Are Girls Good For? Let this story fuel those push-ups. In this charming article, Wilson asserts that a girl's duty is to, quote, be a helpmate to a man, birth children, and keep house. He finished up by calling the working woman, quote, a monstrosity. Yay! Flip onto your back. It's time for crunches. Knees should be bent and feet flat on the floor, hands behind your head. Lift those shoulder blades up off the ground a few inches, crunch those abs, lower just a bit, and crunch again. Don't pull your head. A lot of people pull their head, myself included. Keep crunching. Nellie, for some reason, took offense to the crap Erasmus was slinging and sent a fiery, that's what they called it, letter to the editor under the pseudonym The Lonely Orphan Girl. That editor was George Madden. And unlike that dickweed Erasmus, Madden had no problem hiring a woman. Impressed with her anonymous letter, Madden placed an ad in his own paper asking the author to reveal herself. That's some old school catfishing right there. So she did, and he offered her a job as a reporter, and she took it. Please continue to crunch. Her first article was called The Girl Puzzle and was about another controversial issue at the time women and divorce. In it, Nellie argued for reform of the deeply sexist divorce laws that provided few rights to married women. Until now, Nellie Bly was still Elizabeth Cochran, but as we learned in the Tupperware episode of Not Boring Workouts, most women who wrote for newspapers in the late 1800s and early 1900s almost all wrote under a pseudonym. So when the girl puzzle was published, she took on the name Nellie Bly and never looked back. Cardio time, get into a high plank for mountain climbers. This is essentially running in place, but your hands stay on the ground. Try to lift each knee to your chest, start slow, but try to build up your speed as you go. 
Nellie was immediately drawn into the world of investigative journalism, and she quickly made a fake name for herself, posing as a sweatshop worker, and then writing a series of articles exposing the terrible working conditions, low pay, and long hours at some of Pittsburgh's biggest factories. Her articles caused a huge uproar, but instead of it leading to desperately needed change, the factory owners complained to the newspaper owners, and Nellie was demoted to writing for the society page. Yep. If this isn't making you run harder, I don't know how to help you. Not willing to cover debutante balls one second longer, 21-year-old Nellie convinced her editor to send her to Mexico as a foreign correspondent. She initially traveled to Mexico with her mother, but her mother soon headed back to the States, leaving Nellie on her own. Yeah, girl. Look at that, you finished round one. Back of your feet for round two, lower body. It's side lunges. Step to the left, bends that knee, sink in as far as you can, push back up to standing, do the same thing on the right side. Nellie began sending back dispatches about the lives and customs of the Mexican people, but it wasn't long before her instincts drew her to the story of a wrongly imprisoned Mexican journalist. In one article in her story, she strongly criticized the current dictator of Mexico, who responded with death threats. So, Nellie returned to Pittsburgh, but not for long. Still lunging? Yeah, you are! Thrown back on the ladies' pages, Nellie, now 23, left again, this time resigning from the paper and moving to New York City. After struggling for months to find work, she talked herself into the office of Joseph Pulitzer. Yes, that Pulitzer, who was then editor of the New York World newspaper. Based on her experience in the sweatshops, Nellie proposed going undercover at the Women's Lunatic Asylum on Blackwell's Island, which was infamous for abuse and neglect. Arm time, tricep dips. Sit down on the floor with your knees bent and feet in front of you, resting on your heels. Place your palms on the floor behind you, underneath your shoulders, fingers facing towards your body. Straighten your arms to lift your ass. Then bend your elbows to lower your body down without sitting down completely. So you're bending your arms and using your arms to lift and lower your body weight. You should focus on putting that weight totally into your triceps, okay? Because that's what makes them tricep dips. Turns out getting into an asylum isn't as easy as you'd think, unless you're my mother. Just kidding, that was a totally unfair joke. First, she checked herself into a boarding house called Temporary Homes for Females. Catchy. To obtain that authentic, bug-eyed, crazy person look, she would stay up all night and spend all day loudly accusing the other women in the house of being crazy. Following days of refusing to sleep and genuinely freaking people out, the cops were called, and I guess she was white because she didn't get shot. Is that joke too much? Maybe. Keep on dipping those triceps. After being examined by a police officer, a judge, and a doctor, probably in that order, Nellie was taken to Blackwell's Island where she spent 10 truly horrific days before the newspaper stepped in and got her released. Nellie wrote a series of articles detailing her experience, which was soon published as a book called 10 Days in a Madhouse, which you can still read today. Due to her reporting and the powerful public response, significant reforms were made at the asylum and Nellie Bly became famous. Also, wow. You know what? 
Maybe she is fucking crazy, because you might have to be fucking crazy to do all that. Turn yourself over for forearm planks. These assholes always seem easy at first, but then they reveal themselves. So you're resting your weight on your forearms and toes, keeping your back flat and core engaged. Don't let those hips dip, because when I dip, you dip. We don't dip. Don't dip. Don't dip. Hold it there. Looking for new challenges to conquer and new ways to attract readers, Nellie decided to take inspiration from the fictional bestseller by Jules Verne, Around the World in 80 Days. Once again, in this podcast, I end up encountering names that I've seen written and never had to say out loud. I hope that's how you say it. Yeah, I know, I could look it up, and sometimes I do, all right? And right now, I have a cold, okay? I'm not going to do it. Around the World in 80 Days. Not only would Nellie prove that women could travel alone, but she would complete the journey faster than Phileas Fogg, the male hero of Verne's book. Phileas Fogg does remain the best name, though. This was 1889, so no cars, no planes, and even trains were limited. Keep holding that plank just a little bit longer. Nellie set off alone from New York Harbor on the steamship Augusta Victoria, beginning a trip of nearly 25,000 miles. She took the clothes on her back, a few changes of underwear, a small bag of toiletries, and about 200 in mixed gold and currency she kept in a purse tied around her neck. Time for your last set of cardio, so on your feet for high knees. Really get those knees up, and let's pick up the pace. Push yourself here at the end, because we're almost at the end. March, march, march. Over the course of her journey, Nellie would travel by ship, train, wagon, horse, and rickshaw. She would pass through England, France, the Suez Canal, Penang, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Japan before sailing back to San Francisco and completing her trip by cross-country train to New York in 72 days, 6 hours, 11 minutes, and 14 seconds, setting a world record for circling the globe. I want to circle the globe, but I want to set a record for taking the longest because that sounds like a lot more fun. While that record didn't stand for long, largely thanks to improvements in transportation, Nellie published a best-selling book about her adventures and gave lectures across the U.S. and Europe recounting the trip. She spent the next few years trying her hand, less successfully, at writing fiction and then returned to journalism for a short time, investigating a number of workers' strikes and filing numerous pro-worker articles. All right, that's two circuits, but we've got a bit more story to tell, so I'm going to give you two options. Options? Wow. Option one, nice stretch. I like touching my toes, kind of doing splits, nice body twists. Or if you're thinking, Allie, I need more exercise. I'm not burned up yet. Then you should do some fucking burpees, okay? And if you're the person who chose burpees, I'm going to assume you know what they are. So your choice, get started. The second half of Nellie's life is kind of weird. In 1895, she moves to Chicago where she works for the Times-Herald for just a few weeks before quitting and marrying the millionaire industrialist Robert Seaman, who was 70 to her 31, which is disgusting. By all reports, it was a pretty shitty marriage, which doesn't sound surprising. Nellie kept working for about a year as a journalist, much to her husband's dislike, reporting on the suffrage movement and the Spanish-American War. She stopped writing in 1896 and began working alongside her husband, who wasn't dead yet, running the Ironclad Manufacturing Company. 
1904, her husband died, and Nellie took over the company. She instituted a progressive approach to worker compensation and protection, but forces within the company, opposed to her position, embezzled funds and essentially bankrupted the company. Great! Get back at someone through self-sabotage? Nellie pretty much lost everything, which is too bad because maybe that's the only thing she fucked the old man for. Who knows? I'm spreading serious rumors. Anyway, she did return to journalism, becoming one of the first women to report from the front lines during World War I. Nellie returned to New York in 1919 and died of pneumonia a few years later at the age of 57. Was it pneumonia or was it the last plague? That's it. That's your workout. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it helps us a ton if you leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Seriously, please, 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 please. If you like showing your support more directly, I think that's hot. And you can toss us a tip on Venmo at Not Boring Workouts or visit us at patreon.com slash notboringworkouts. And please tell your friends to check us out. See you next time when hopefully we'll all feel a little better.